Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. BTOsports.com, proud sponsors of the BTO Sports KTM team with Shorty and Brayton. And uh, use the code PulpMX when you are checking out at BTOsports.com to save yourself some money um, there. And uh, brand new website, mobile phone, brand new website, mobile phone f- for you people uh, that, are, that are outside of the U.S. And of course, Foxhead. Dot com, uh, visit your local authorized Fox dealer or go to foxhead.com to check out the full line of 2015 stuff. All new V3 helmet with MIPS technology, airspace goggles, 360 racewear, adult and youth sizes alike, and foxhead.com. They present this uh, podcast to you. As usual, I'm your host, Steve Mathis. With me on the line is a guy I've been trying to get for a while. We've been playing a lot of phone tag, and um, but I'm happy to finally get him. Uh, a storied career in the industry and a lot of good stories and a lot of things to talk about with uh, Clark Jones of NoLeanJ6.com Suspension. Hey, Clark, thanks for doing this. Sure, I'm, I'm, it's a pleasure to do it. Yeah, I think uh, you've been around a long time. You've got a lot of stories and um, done a lot in the industry. So I think people will dig this thing a little bit behind the scenes of uh, what went on. Certainly... You know, there's Pro Circuit, and, uh, you know, they started in 1991, and you could make a case that maybe Nolene, starting in, around the uh, uh, early 90s as well, and the Ultracross was another sort of factory satellite team that saw a lot of success, right? I mean, you were you were right there doing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did. Uh, we actually started in uh, 88. Okay. And then uh, we, were, we were with... Uh, uh, Yamaha. We had some support from Yamaha mm-hmm. for the Ultra Cost series. We did actually four wheelers first, and then we moved into the uh, motorcycles for the Ultra Cross. And you're still in the sport today, helping out uh, Moto Concepts and Mike Alessi with uh, with his suspension. So uh, you've come full yeah. circle in a way, right? Yeah, we've uh, well, we've done uh, all kinds of suspension for people, mm-hmm. you know, through the years. Top pros and uh you know world champions and uh, alike from uh say quads mm-hmm. through road racing and motocross motocross is our roots that's what we love and i find it funny too that um you you were one of the first guys to deal with olin's uh made in sweden obviously a world-class suspension company you dealt with olin's way back when maybe nobody had much to do with with olin's and you brought it in and you helped them, and, and you certainly brought in the, the Olean's YZ360 kit and all that. Now, you know, you, you weren't at the races for a while. Now you come back with Olean's again with, uh, with Michael Essie. Um It seems yeah. like you and Olean's can't, can't, uh, can't break away, right? Yeah. 
Well, what what happened there was uh, um, uh, Moto Concepts had asked me. Uh, they wanted me to take care of Mike's suspension, mm-hmm. uh, and they said no matter what you know suspension that he chooses. And then they had a test, and uh, TJ uh, from Orleans had had came over, and mm-hmm. they wanted me to go out uh, to the test. Uh, Moto Concepts wanted me at the test as well. And they tested the Olean's, and they also tested uh, some Showa stuff that they had as well. And Mike picked the Olean's, so then, uh, uh, of course, they wanted me to take care of it for mm-hmm. them. And you're like, yeah, Olean's, I know all about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's weird, though. Like, you go to GPs, and or you go overseas, and I was just there, and you see uh, Olean's, uh, Solva, uh, Marzocchi even – um, riders in Europe seem not to be scared to take their perfectly good KYB or Showa stuff off, or WP in, in some cases, and they slap mm-hmm. on aftermarket suspension, and certainly Olin's was the leader of this for, for many years. Over here, though, in America, it's a, still a little weird. It's still a little different for guys to do that, huh? Well, they, they're not, uh, you know, if you, look at, if you look at all the, you know, the top pro guys mm-hmm. and uh, the way that everything uh, uh, follows through, like uh, with the companies like myself and uh, all the other suspension companies, they see everybody works on the show, uh, the KYB or the mm-hmm. WP. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 WP comes standard, of course, on the KTM's, so they're comfortable with it. When you introduce something new, they're thinking, well, I could get the show uh, a kit. Or, you know, mm-hmm. but you do have this Orleans stuff, which is an A-kit suspension, but I really don't know it. I'm not used to the name. Yeah. Where over in Europe, they're really used to the name of the, uh, you know, the the different brands instead of the brands that come on the bike. Um, and the, the Orleans, I mean, I don't know if people in motocross realize it, but this is the company that's, I mean, MotoGP, F1, IndyCar. I mean, these guys know suspension, and the, the components of the suspension are top quality. Yes, they are. They're uh, they're they're made very well. They use all the best uh, materials, but uh, their machining and everything, and the way that they do inspect everything is is great. I mean, like you said, you know, they use them on Formula One cars. They use them in the MotoGPs. It's uh, the majority of the top teams have Olean's on them. Yeah, it's it's they're not new. They've been around for uh, quite a long time. Do you find some? Do you find when you talk to other riders or other teams about Olean's or or do maybe they, they don't even understand it? They, I mean, do you feel like there's a little bit of misconception? Like this is just some weirdo company that doesn't know suspension? Do you ever find that out? Um, the uh, the guys that are um, actually, the guys that are a little bit older, yeah, uh, no, no Olean's, uh, mm-hmm. because they were uh, like in the uh, now it's the vintage bike stuff, yeah, 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 and all the vintage bike stuff. The Olean's back then, you know, was actually sought after. Right. I mean, it was you had to have the Olean's, or you, you really didn't have mm-hmm. anything. Uh, and it was funny because because Chad showed up, you know, with Olean's on his Cowie. Um, he's not going to go for it next year, but. There was almost a massive breakthrough in, 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 in you know, a top rider bolting on 
um, um, supercross rider bolting on aftermarket suspension with Chad. I think that would have yeah. really helped, you know. But yeah, Chad did. Chad uh, at the uh, Motocross of Nations, uh, he he used them there, mm-hmm. yeah. and it was something he wanted to test out. And uh, Michael Byrne had tested them before as well. Yeah, and uh, they really, you know, they like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. You know, you never know what's going on behind the scenes with, uh, yeah, paying for it or whatever, <laughs> right, right. whatever you end up doing to get your suspension. Uh, but they they both uh, liked the ride that they got out of the Orleans. One of the things about working with uh, uh, Lessy, uh, Mike, world class rider, no doubt about it. But one of the things that throughout the pits a little bit, people have worked with him is he's not, he, he can be better at testing. Uh, how do you find him working with him and, and testing the motorcycle? And, um, you know, it's definitely a, an acquired skill by racers. I was a mechanic for a long time and I worked with some guys that just got it. And some guys that just, you know, just hammered the thing and didn't really think about what the bike was doing underneath them. Uh, how's Mike with this? Um, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's getting better at it. Mm-hmm. He, uh, um, he can relate, uh, to me basically, uh, what the bike is doing. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll say, oh, it's over here through this one little section. It's the, the bike is doing this, you know? Right. Um, but he can't say you need more compression. You need less compression, you know, uh, whatever it is. He can't, uh, tell me that. Yeah. Uh, the way that I work with him is. Okay, what is the bike doing? Um, some of the riders that I've worked with, um, like Kyle Lewis, mm-hmm. Kyle Lewis is uh, one that can say, um, "Oh, I need a little more high-speed compression, or yeah. uh, a yeah. little more low-speed rebound, or or whatever." And he's he's really good at it. But but Mike, he can get it across to me by just telling me what the bike's doing. Then I can make the adjustments right. from there. You know, I still got to, I feel like, um, I feel like after you work with Larry Ward for a number of years, Clark, that you're probably very well versed in working with any rider in the world. And Larry's a friend of mine, but I I feel like, uh, you're probably prepared for anything working for Big Bird. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. He's very, 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 very particular on everything he has. And, um, with Larry, um, one of the main things is, which, you know, with a lot of the riders it is, but uh, with Larry, once he gets confidence in you mm-hmm. and what you're doing, um, you can change whatever you want, uh, you know, on the bike. And uh, if he has confidence in you doing whatever changes you want to make, mm-hmm. uh, it's fine. Right. But if but if he doesn't, if you mess up just a little bit, uh, then it's it's big trouble. You're back to square one. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, I still gotta get one of those. You have for my 1990 KX250. You've got those shock towers. I gotta get them. I want, name your yeah. price, Clark. Name your price. I gotta get them. <laughs> well, just get me your address. So I'll get them to you. Um, hey, uh, let's uh, let's go into the time machine a little bit and go back. And I want to find out. Obviously, uh, you know, I, I remember Nolene for the Alter Cost series and that kind of stuff and kind of came out of nowhere. And you became the shop to uh, to deal with all things Yamaha for, for many, many, many years and, and had some great results. But you yourself, where did you grow up and how did you get into motocross? Um, well, I grew up in the uh, L.A. area. 
And uh, uh, a couple of my friends had bikes. They didn't race or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, they had uh, um, like a SL100 and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I uh, I just enjoyed it. I'd, I'd go watch them ride, and they'd let me ride their bikes. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. And I uh, my my uh, family nobody raced. Nobody had motorcycles. It was uh, it was something that I just uh, gained a passion for. And, mm-hmm. um, there was a gentleman. Uh, his name was uh, Kenny Sakamoto. He raced, and he had uh, he actually had a couple of factory bikes from BSA with titanium frames and everything. Okay, and uh, he got me into it, and he he uh, he helped coach me and show me how to you know, how to ride, and they showed me how to race, and um, my first race, I raced, uh, I was I was 16, my parents said they would never take me, but when I was old <laughs> enough that I could go, Yeah. and so I got a bike, and I raced uh, when I turned 16, and then I was uh, uh, a local pro uh, by the time I was 18, and then uh, um, I was uh, off to the nationals after that. Okay. And wow, that was quick. My first <laughs> 16 yeah, first race, 18 year, nationals. I ended up yeah. uh, 11th in the 250, uh, in the 250 nationals. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, okay, yeah, you're kind of trying to be a professional racer and trying to make a living at it. What what years were this? What are we talking? Uh, 78 through okay. uh, 82. Yeah, uh, eighty-two. I rode for Mako, and eighty-two was my last oh. full year. Then actually, Yamaha had uh, hired me from there to to race and test, and uh, then they uh, they wanted me to come in, and um, I was in there. I ran their pro support team. Okay. And their are amateur teams from there. So this would have been like, uh, uh, well, actually, first, did you race Supercross or just Nationals, just Motocross? Yeah, I rode, I rode Supercrosses as well. So you rode a Mako in Supercross, Clark? Um, actually, I did. Oh. I rode, uh, <laughs> I rode uh, my Hondas uh, in Supercrosses oh, okay. also, and, and Husqvarna's. I rode for Husqvarna, too. Yeah. What, uh, <laughs> what was your best result in either indoors or outdoors? Like, what was, was the race that year really uh, stands out for you? Indoor, outdoors was fourth place. Nice. Um, I, had a, I had a few fourth places, mm-hmm. um, but it was like, uh, you know, Bob Hanna and Marty Tripes. They yeah. were the, the top guys at that time. Right. A couple of good guys are friends of mine. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and Supercross, uh, I believe I finished 10th a couple of times. Right. Uh, Houston, uh, Michigan, and I think Seattle, uh, some of the, uh, some of the yeah. tracks. But like Michigan back then, we used to ride, it used to be a two-day event. Okay. And so was uh, Seattle was a two-day event. Yeah, yeah. Pontiac and Seattle were two days forever, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you uh, were you making any money, or were you kind of like a privateer dude, just sort of eking by and you know trying to trying the best, um, or did you did you do all right? I had uh, I had some good sponsors. Like mm-hmm. uh, when I rode uh, I rode uh, Hondas. I had support from Honda mm-hmm. and uh, a company called Standard Crank. Okay. 
and uh, the gentleman's name was Larry Escamilla. He has he's passed away now, but um, he had a, a company that uh, uh, they would rebuild uh, car engines. Okay. And they actually had a huge production line and rebuilt car engines. So it was it was pretty good, and he just yep. loved uh, uh, motorcycles. So that's that's why he ended up helping me. So eventually you work your way to Yamaha and you do some pro support and, and amateur support. So I guess at this point you're dealing with guys like RJ and, and Lachine, right? I mean, these are the hot Yamaha yeah. kids, right? Yeah, and uh, uh, Damon Bradshaw, Jeff Stanton. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to go back a little ways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no no doubt. Uh, so you were, would you have to go to Yamaha every day to, to work out of an office? Or how did that go? Like what were you kind of in charge of? Yeah, I did. I, I went... Uh, Went to Yamaha in Cyprus okay. uh, uh, every day, and then I would test. Uh, did a lot of testing with a, uh, a guy by the name of Ed Scheidler. Oh, yeah. No, I know Ed. I worked um, at Yamaha for years. So Yeah. So it uh, it was – actually, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a little different than what I was used to as far as uh, setting up the pro support teams and helping all the riders that way. Yeah, uh, but it it worked out really good, I think, because I I was a racer, mm-hmm. and I could relate to whatever the the guys you know what they needed, and um, if they were having a problem on the track, I could help them on the track what to do, and right. it worked out real well. Although being a racer, you probably wanted to help everybody, and at times you had to shut some guys down, right? Where you're like, oh, I just got no more bikes or parts for you, sorry, guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that was the tough part. Yeah. Uh, so Kenny Clark would have been the motocross manager at the the pro team, the yeah the factory team. Yes, he yeah. was. And then you yeah. were you were working alongside that alongside him. Um, were yeah. you doing those uh, when you were testing with Ed and all that more on the production bike side slash um, R and D side? Were you doing those wrench reports for Yamaha or the, what are those things called? Those yeah, actually, I did. I made all the wrench reports. Oh. Um, that was to help. That was to help uh, anybody who had a YZ. Yeah, my... and we did did porting, uh, suspension. You know, just all kinds yeah. of tips to help them. My dad probably owes a lot of debt of gratitude to you because we rode Yamahas for years and we waited for those bulletins to come out. You know what I mean? To see what, like you yeah. know, cut a hole here or grind this or do that. You know, it was actually pretty good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I, put, I put a lot of testing into them, and I wanted to make sure they were right because, yeah. you know, you want the riders to get the best thing they can. So you, I mean, I deal with riders all the time. I, you know, I was a former mechanic uh, for a number of years, and a lot of riders can't even change a tire, never mind do wrench reports for Yamaha. So I'm guessing you've always had sort of a technical mind, huh? You've always had a, you've always yeah. a guy to take your, take your own stuff apart and try to make it better? Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's how it worked. Like I said, my, uh, uh, my parents weren't into racing, so mm-hmm. my dad wasn't, he wasn't, uh, very mechanical. So when I got my bike, I had to learn how to work on it myself yeah. because at that time, you know, we just, I couldn't take it to a shop and have anybody work on it. You just can't afford it. Right. And, uh, I've enjoyed, uh, uh, you know, what I learned then just through the years is, has helped me, uh, helped me with everything, and I'm a little bit meticulous, so mm-hmm. I want everything to be exactly right. Yep. And yep. I've I've gotten over the years, I've got a few patents 
uh, on suspension, mm-hmm. smart suspension, and uh, a couple other things. Different things like that. Uh, who was better as a kid, Lachine or Bradshaw? Who was faster? Um, you know, I think I think Bradshaw was. Yeah. Um, he had. He was more motivated. Mm-hmm. I have to say, <laughs> the uh, machine was really good, though. Right, I mean, he right. Was, you know, look at his championship record shows for it. But yeah, but Bradshaw just had a uh, a determination that he was going to win no matter what. Mm-hmm. what? And uh, Lachine, I mean, he he rode flawlessly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he would go through a turn and. Uh, just just the way he would set up for the turn and put right. his leg out and ride through it, it was it was really uh, just really good. Was there a kid you worked with, or or even a, a pro, a guy that made pro that you watched through the ranks that didn't make it that really surprised you? Like maybe like Eddie Hicks or somebody. Like was there like somebody that just um, never never made it happen and was certainly super talented and. and... And all that. You know who I thought? There was one kid that I thought was really going to make it was Vince Devane. Oh, yeah, from Florida. Uh, right. uh, rider out of Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was he was really, he was strong on the bike. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what happened. The transition from, you know, yeah. uh, from amateur to pro uh, from the 80s to 125s, something I, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> what what happened to Eddie Hicks? Like what? I know Bob Oliver worked for him for a year um, when uh, he first turned pro in like '85 or whatever. But certainly there was a lot of hype with him, and he never really did much. Yeah, no, he was he was very good on a on an eighty, mm-hmm. and he was good on a one twenty five. But um, he didn't have the motivation to just carry it through. Yeah, uh, he didn't get. Uh, uh, he had. He had all the chances to do it, mm-hmm. but it, it just didn't uh, transpire for him. So working with Scheidler probably taught you a lot also, right? I mean, he was a pretty smart guy. Yeah, yeah, he, he was. He had his own. Ed Scheidler was good. He had his way of, uh, of uh, also talking to you or, or dealing with things, I guess. I have limited interaction with him, but there's lots of Ed Scheidler stories at Yamaha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a well, great guy. And, yeah. Um, he wants. Uh, you know, his, his main goal mm-hmm. was, uh, to have the best motorcycles, you know, for Yamaha, yeah. uh, for the production line. So he would go out testing and, uh, it was always hard to, you know, uh, try to change his mind. If something was set right. in his head, there was, <laughs> there was no way you were going to change it. Even, even if you thought, you know, man, this would be way better if we did this, Yeah, you just. It was so hard to change his mind, but but when you did, then he would be hundred percent right. on your side with it. God, Yamaha had some bad bikes too. Different years, they struck out. I mean, they had some good bikes, like eighty five YZ two fifty was good, and and uh, the eighties, the late eighties, eighty eight and eighty nine YZs. But their one twenty five there were so horrid for many years. You, you were probably drilling holes, <laughs> opening up carburetors, opening up intakes, whatever you could do. Oh man, when uh, uh, Kyle Lewis. <laughs> Uh, started riding for us. Mm-hmm. I think it was. Uh, I think it was ninety one. Yeah. And uh, he rode the uh, ultra cross, but then he ride the one twenty five supercross for us. Yeah. Yeah. And that one twenty five was so slow. <laughs> yeah. It was 
it was slow. It had a lot of inherent problems. And I would, you know, we got it to run pretty good. I mean, it got yep. third in Seattle uh-huh. uh, on it. But uh, it it had a problem to where it would bog every so often. Um, <laughs> no matter what you did yeah, in the yeah. factory bikes or whatever, they had this this weird bog. And Kyle, would, he'd come in and uh, he'd come in after practice and say, it's bogging over there. I go, no, I didn't hear it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I go, no, I, I couldn't hear it. Yeah. I just couldn't, you know, yeah. tell him that it, it had this problem all the time because he wouldn't have rode it as fast as he did. But, right, right. But he did. But Yamaha did go through some uh, oh. some bad years with their machines. Like the, do you remember the Z-spoke? Yeah, the Z-spoke, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah or, the Z-spoke and the wheels. and. Or what about bass? Uh, what about the bass thing that everybody disconnected? Yeah, and the bass system. <laughs> What what was that? I was a kid, but it was would it stiffen your compression? Okay, actuating suspension system. Right, and it would stiffen your compression as you push down on the brake, or what was what was the deal? No, it would soften it. Soften. Okay. If you went into braking bumps, Mm -hmm. you'd put the put the brake on, and it would open up the compression a little bit. It would open up a little valve. Okay. And it would be it actually worked going into the turn. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, but they just didn't uh, figure on people, you know, dragging their brake for certain yeah. circumstances that you needed to drag your brake in. Or dropping and your front end or whatever, a, would, trying to drop your front yeah. end or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it would create a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my dad probably also disconnected that and also probably swore the Z-spokes when they broke every hub out there. Yeah. Um, with Ed Scheidler, we were out testing the Z-spokes uh, out at a raceway they used to have. Actually, it was called the Corona Raceway. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we brought some guys from Japan and said, okay, look, you know, uh-huh. this is this is what happens with these wheels. And we just uh, ride off of, uh, uh, right over a jump mm-hmm. and over jump the landing and land flat. Mm-hmm. And you'd, you'd do that, and just the first time you did it, the wheels would break. <laughs> And uh, yeah. the Japanese, of course, they they couldn't believe that that would happen. But, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. You know, they always seemed like that's they were totally amazed if you showed them something that was a problem. Right. You're like, how many hours did you put on this thing in Japan? Did you hit any jumps at all before you released this? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah all, all of Bob Oliver there told me that they Emig won the ninety one one twenty five title. And they've yeah. never worked so hard on a bike than that thing. It had like a Honda road race piston and a Suzuki ignition, and it was bell zone. It was practically a brand new uh, ports and, and intake with the bell zone. <laughs> they've never worked yeah. harder than to try to get Emig to win that bike, win that title on that bike. <laughs> oh yeah, guy. We were at uh, Hangtown, and uh, uh, we were our, our guys were running the 250 class. Mm-hmm. And Amick was on the 125, and he went up to the line, and it wouldn't start. Yeah. And they were, they frantically worked on it. I think the gate dropped, and everybody went, you know, up over the start, and then uh, finally they got it going. But <laughs> it was for them. It was a very frustrating year for the mechanics. But right. Amick was tough. I mean, he uh, he was tough. Yeah, no doubt about it. When 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 you looked at Bradshaw and Emig. You know, in amateurs are on 80s. MA almost constantly came up short to Damon. 
and you look at their pro careers and the amount of money they made, and Emig really, you know, really rebounded and made something, and and was better rider than Bradshaw. You know, as much as it hurts yeah. me to say that because yeah. I love Bradshaw, but yeah. Um, the uh, the eighty eight YZ two hundred and fifty was good though. We, we've talked a lot of crap on Yamaha's bikes, but we got should, we should probably give them some props. The eighty eight YZ two hundred and fifty was a good bike. Yeah. Oh so. no, they've had a, they've had a lot of good bikes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was a good bike. When did you start uh, leaning towards doing your own suspension and getting more interested in that side of things? Was it just something that kind of, you know, you could have been Mitch Payton and gone into motors or you went into suspension? Yeah. Uh, you became a suspension guy. Was it just something a little more interesting to you? Well, when uh, when we started uh, started Nolene, mm-hmm. um, we, were, uh, we were mainly suspension and then we did, we did go into engines. Mm-hmm. And all of the all of our team bikes, uh, we did all of the work on the uh, on the complete bike from yep. suspension to engine, um, everything. We didn't get uh, much information from uh, from Yamaha on uh, basically on any of the stuff to do to the bikes at that time. Oh, okay. Uh, we were, uh, you know, we did uh, all the porting in house. We uh, we did have, uh, you know, services for our customers. We ported, uh, ported balanced cranks, uh, and we even made our own pipes. So you really did, yeah. You really did uh, do everything. It wasn't just suspension, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So we we did everything. You and our bikes uh, proved it. I mean, we got. Uh, I think Larry Brooks uh, was the first one that got consistent hole shots mm-hmm. for us. And uh, he got a lot of consistent hole shots, and he would lead a few laps, and mm-hmm. uh, he just he just didn't have uh, the speed to run with the top guys, so he'd end up between eighth and twelfth or so. Yeah, uh, you started Nolene in what eighty eight? You said eighty eight. Yeah. So what happened with you leaving Yamaha? Were you just you know a little want a new challenge, just kind of bored, and, and decided to take a risk and start out? Um, I've you know. I'll, uh, I always wanted to have my own business. Yep. And uh, uh, Yamaha, uh, when I when I went to leave Yamaha, um, you know, I talked to everybody, and uh, they, you know, they basically they wished me luck and everything. And yeah. Um, except for uh, one uh, Japanese guy, he was the head Japanese guy in in our department, mm-hmm. uh, Kato Kano. A uh, very very nice man, and mm-hmm. um, he he didn't want me to leave, and so he said, "You're not going to be able to make it. You can't make it. You need to stay here instead of you know we want you to stay here or whatever." Yeah, yeah. But but anyways, uh, everybody was good. I I left there. I had a couple of contracts when I left there to run the, their four wheeler team, mm-hmm. and uh, we were their recommended suspension center. And uh, we still uh, helped with some of the uh, wrench reports and stuff. Uh, how'd you settle time. on the name Nolene? What, what's up with that? Uh, Nolene, I had, when I first started my company, uh, one of my friends, uh, he was like a silent partner. Mm-hmm. And he had two kids. He had uh, 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 Noah was one of his boys' names. Okay. and. Uh, uh, I had two uh, two daughters mm-hmm. at that time. I've got four kids now: uh, Charlene oh. and Cheryl. 
and uh, we were the importer of Olean's shocks, mm -hmm. so we wanted something that sounded like Olean's. So we put Noah and Charlene together and came up with Nolene. Oh, there we go. Wow, I never knew that. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, like you said, you're doing four-wheelers uh, and you're doing some wrench reports and, and you know, importing Olean's and, and things like that. When do you decide to go racing, and, and how does that work? Yamaha comes to you and says, hey, we want to do this Ultra Cost Series and get some riders and we'll give you bikes and parts. Is that kind of how it works? Um, actually, I presented it to them. Okay. And, uh, you know, once you're a racer, you just you just want to race if you're racing or if you're helping with the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you know basically it's a passion. So you just you just want to be there. Yeah. And uh, uh, I presented it to them, and uh, it went over real well. Mm -hmm. And uh, they would supply us with uh, bikes and parts and some expenses. And it, it carried over. Uh, we were to do the uh, Ultra Cost series, mm -hmm. which uh, was the Mickey Thompson series, where they raced. Um, trucks, yeah. cars, dune buggies, you know, and, yeah. and uh, quads and motorcycles. It was actually a, a pretty good show. It was. Yeah. Um, we uh, we won the championship. Uh, I can't remember remember how many times now. Kawasaki's team was our our biggest uh, competitor, mm -hmm. and uh, we won with uh, Jim Hawley, uh, Larry Brooks, uh, and Kyle Lewis. Yeah, um, and they were pretty exciting. Like they did things like if you won your heat race, you started at the back, and yeah, you know you, you had to work start in the back, right? And I, being Canadian and born and raised there, I, I didn't know anything about ultra cost. But I, my family and I were on a vacation in California, and we caught the San Diego one, and lots of people there, and it was actually pretty yeah. exciting. You know, um, yeah, it was pretty good, and 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 geez, it seemed like there was lots of people there. I, I, I don't know if Mickey was passed away at this point, but. Um, uh, it was a it was a pretty good deal, pretty good series. Yeah, they'd fill the they'd fill the stadiums with the fans. It was it was great. Yeah, and and they did invert the starts, but the way that they would uh, keep you from not cheating is uh, you'd get points. Yeah, uh, if Passing you win points. the heat race, yeah. you'd get some extra points. So, and then the the leader had a an orange ribbon on his helmet, and so you kind of knew where he was and. Um, yeah, you got passing points too. So it was yeah, yeah. It was really neat ideas. Yeah, it was good. Mm. How's so business is starting to pick up at this point, right? And where does the where does the idea behind a YZ three hundred and sixty kit come from? And 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 I, I imagine you know you helped you know the factory guys ran it for one or two years, and then you guys all yeah. ran it. What? How did that come about? Well, Yamaha. Yamaha wanted their uh, uh, they they needed an open bike. They yeah. needed a water cooled open bike. Badly. And uh, at the time, Olean's uh, was owned basically owned by Yamaha. Mm -hmm. They were, uh, I think it was like seventy five percent owned by Yamaha. And uh, there was a there was a Japanese guy at Olean's in Sweden. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Mr. Eo, and I had known him from when I worked at Yamaha. Uh, he was uh, like a head of uh, race development in Japan at mm -hmm. the time. And uh, 
he basically he designed he designed the, the cylinder. You mm-hmm. know, why would Olean's, a suspension company, come up with this yeah. 360 cylinder? Right. Uh, Yamaha wanted a uh, a bike that they could race in the open class that yeah. was water cooled, and they didn't want to go through the hassle of making a complete motorcycle, I guess. So that's that's what happened. Um, did you sell a lot of those kits? Were they popular? Uh, we sold, uh, I sold a little over 2000 of them. Oh, okay. Um, not too bad. I talked to, um, yeah. I talked to Dubak about it and he said out of the corners and everything, it was fine. It would, it would, it would, the lightness of the YZ 250 and the grunt, it had yeah. lots of grunt and it, 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 he didn't felt like he lost anything coming out of turns or anything like that. Or he felt like the start was okay. If it wasn't too long, if the straightaway got long or the start was long, he felt like the 500s would pull him. but, yeah. but he liked it. Yeah, they were pretty good. And then um, Steve Lampson rode it for a year uh, as a privateer, and he yeah. did really well with it. Yeah, yeah, not too bad, right? Um, yeah. So at this point, you start you're starting your team, and, and you're getting going, and, and uh, the, the ultracross thing is going well. You're winning titles there with a bunch of different guys, and I imagine business is picking up. When yeah. and how does the Sizzler sponsorship come about? We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Okay. We, uh, you know, we we uh, started racing the nationals and the Supercross series. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to, um, I think it was ninety two or ninety three. Mm-hmm. We still had to race the Ultracross series. Uh, so the ones that didn't conflict, you know, we'd be at the national or the Supercross. Yeah. Uh, the majority of the nationals did not conflict. Just a couple of supercrosses did, mm-hmm. so it, so it worked out well. And then uh, um, from there, uh, we had a, just a complete uh, motocross and supercross team. Right. I think that started in '93, maybe. Mm-hmm. Ultra cross series, ultra ultra cross mm-hmm. series went away and just kind of yeah, fell apart. ultra cross went away. Yeah, and uh, I needed some some money. We needed some sponsorship money to help us. Help yeah. us make it through, and uh, I had met one of the guys from Sizzler, and uh, he it was actually uh, the local restaurant that we had, and yeah. so he talked to their corporate headquarters, and uh, they we got some money from them. It, it worked out well, and uh, it yeah. just happened to um, it helped Sizzler at the same time, so. Uh, it was good for both of us. So you were... And I did yeah. get a card to where I could eat at whatever sizzler I wanted to when I went in. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> that's, that's probably the best part of the whole thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, like, at this point, I mean, are, are, your, are you paying Lewis and Brooks and Ward? Are they getting salaries from you? And then, and, and, I mean, this this has had to be a huge undertaking. How much was Yamaha helping you out? Um, the way we, we got bikes and parts and we mm-hmm. got expense money, but... Also, uh, from Yamaha, mm-hmm. we got uh, bonus money okay. for the riders, yeah. and that was uh, that was paid directly directly to the riders um, from Yamaha. And I worked okay. that out to where uh, you know if they were doing well, they would make money. Yeah. And um, I had set it up. Uh, I had set up our team. Everybody had to wear the same uh, the same gear. Yeah. Because I wanted them all to look like a team. I wanted right. them to look exactly the same as far as gear, uh, helmets, and boots, and everything. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, the, the gear company that we worked with, I had them just pay the riders directly. Yeah. So they would get they would get their money yeah. uh, that way. How much were you? Uh, how much were you getting from Sizzler? Do you remember? Was it was it a lot? Uh, no, it wasn't a lot. No. It. Uh, I think it was about you know back then. I can't remember. It was like thirty or forty grand. Oh, okay. So not a ton, but uh, not a ton, but it would. Yeah. You know, it helped out a lot for sure. And if you think about it, it was one of the first outside sponsors. Not not yeah. too many people had, you know, a Sizzler. For people who don't know, is Sizzler just California? I don't even know, but Sizzler is a it, big no, chain. It's, it's in. Uh, it's kind of like uh, um, In and Out Burger. Yeah. To where it's in a few of the states that are around Southwest. California. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's a pretty good deal, no doubt about it. Um, and, uh, so Yamaha will give you bikes and parts and all that. Were they ever, yeah. I mean, were they happy with you? Were they, I mean, you, you were for many years putting in some really great results with guys that oh, yeah. you would, we, I mean, we beat them uh, I know. the majority of the time. That's so. what I mean. How were they? <laughs> were they good? Cause sometimes like now Clark in our sport, and I don't know how much you, you talk to guys around, but factory teams aren't always really pumped when teams they're supporting beat them. <laughs> right. So, well, um, was everything good? Yamaha, as far as uh, as far as Yamaha uh, Motor Corporation themselves, mm-hmm. they were pumped what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, some of the guys that uh, were, you know, uh, like Team Yamaha, mm-hmm. um, I don't think they they liked it very much. Yeah. No, um, I don't think so. Like the year ninety. Uh, 90- uh, Ninety five, we finished second in the Supercross series. Yeah, I mean the only one who beat us, you know, was Jeremy McGrath, and he was going to beat any, everybody anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, now the, you know, everybody high up at Yamaha was was totally pumped. Right. Uh, let's take a quick commercial break here on the BTO Sports dot com Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. Uh, listen to this commercial from Race Tech. Uh, sorry, Clark, one of your competitors, but uh, Race Tech, uh, proud sponsors of this uh, show uh, as well with this commercial. You can save yourself money using the code PulpMX14 to uh, get you save yourself some money on some suspension work. And, of course, BTOsports.com and, and Fox Racing. We'll be right back with Clark Jones. BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Racetech suspension, and they've been along, around a long time, and their, their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people, at least uh, change your oil in your new bike and use Racetech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech is the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Thee, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Racetech! Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. All right, and we're back. Uh, Clark Jones from uh, 
NoleneJ6.com. Uh, certainly got us done a ton of things, and uh, thanks for everybody for listening. Uh, so, Clark, like, talk about that 95 season a little bit. Uh, Big Bird was just on it, and, I mean, that must have been really magical because back then – it happens a little more now, but back then, no no support team in the premier class beat the factories like you did. Yeah. Um, well, what you know, Larry, of course, is a top rider. Yeah. He had uh, he'd had some uh, problems, so he didn't have a didn't have a ride. Uh, and how it all came about was I had signed uh, Mike Craig at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And and. Uh, Craig and Larry were, they were in, uh, God, I can't remember where they were. They were at some race uh, over in Europe somewhere. Yeah. okay. And um, uh, Michael Craig calls and says, uh, uh, you know, Keith, Keith McCarty called me and he wants me to go up to the factory team mm-hmm. uh, for Yamaha. And I told him, well, uh, let me call, you know, let me call yeah. Keith. Let me see what's going on. And, um, so I talked to Keith, and, uh, yeah, they needed him. Um, I can't remember what happened, but yeah. uh, I, I can't remember why they needed him as a rider. Yeah. The rider they had must have uh, got taken away or something. I don't know. Right, right. Another team. And uh, so I called um uh, called Mike back and he said that uh um Larry Ward will you know Larry Ward will take my place he'd he'd love to ride for you and all this <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah. you know right and and I was like uh okay uh well let me talk to him they were sitting in the same room somewhere over there and yeah, yeah so I talked to him and uh I, I had known Larry uh through you know he rode right. amateur uh most of his amateur career was on Kawasaki. Uh, Yep. But I knew him, and I knew his family, and um, so I I got him going, and uh, he came, and one of the uh, stipulations was I wanted him to uh, live with us so oh. I could help him with his training and make sure he stayed focused. Right. So uh, the first year, we had, uh, we had good results, but it, they weren't real consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did really well, and we, I had uh, Larry Ward, Larry Brooks, and Kyle Lewis right. that year. And um, Kyle Lewis was finishing around eighth or so, eighth or ninth, and um, Larry Brooks would finish uh, between ninth and twelfth. Yeah. Uh, and Larry Ward would run up front a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would lead, uh, lead the races, and then. Um, then he would end up probably around fifth or sixth. Right. But I figured, okay, if we can get him in shape, he's going to be one of the top guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like I said, he had to stay at our house so we could kind of keep him not under control, but yeah, but, yeah, under control. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, uh, coming into the uh, the '95 season, mm-hmm. he was ready. He was ready to go. Um, Yamaha at the time, uh, we we could use their uh, Supercross track right. uh, whenever we wanted. So we did a lot of training and testing and everything there with all three riders. And at the time, uh, going it was into a, the at, season. Yeah, at the time, the test track was right up by you, right? 
Um, no, it was it's oh. where it's at now. Oh, okay, all right. Down there, and we went into the season, and uh, all three, all three of the guys were ready. Mm-hmm. Larry, we went to. God, was the first race in Orlando or? I can't remember. Yeah, ninety five. I think it was Orlando. I think it was. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, Kyle Lewis, got the whole shot. Uh, Larry got. Larry Ward got a, a poor start. Mm-hmm. And uh, he worked his way through, and he finished second. Yeah. And I think Kyle finished seventh or eighth. I can't remember. Right. But from that from that race on. Um, he never got a he never got a bad start again. Yeah. But uh our team led the most uh laps from any team. Oh really? Out there. Wow. You know? Uh with with Kyle Lewis and yeah. Larry Ward. But Larry Ward would lead up until about two laps to go, and the graph would get him. <laughs> the graph would pass him. It was so frustrating. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah, because he never never won a race, but certainly did. Yeah, place like I said, a second place in the points. Um, also, too, like those ninety four and ninety five YZ two fifties, and Chicken rode up for NCY, and you had your guys and Emig yeah. uh, was a off the start. It was all Yamahas. Like I don't know. Yeah, those bikes were just incredible starting machines. And plus, the riders were you know good too, but. Um, yeah. phenomenal starting. The bikes were good. They yeah. were very good. Yeah, no doubt about it. They're just really, really uh, well, well-tuned. Um, Lewis certainly rode for you a number of years, as did Brooks, I guess. Um, yeah. Did you, did you, I mean, Larry's, uh, Kyle is certainly really particular. Larry's really particular. Uh, Brooks himself, uh, a little bit of a hammer had like just kind of, you know, turned the throttle and hoped and he didn't crash, but he had some talents too, but how did those guys get along? Did they all work out okay? I mean, they, you know, there's a lot of oh, history all, between they, them. You know what? They all got along good. Did they? Yeah, they did. They all got along good, and um, you know, they they didn't spend. You know, when you're at the races and you're traveling, you're spending a lot of time together. But they didn't spend a lot of time together. Like, okay, let's go fishing or hunting, <laughs> right, right. you know, whatever. So there, w- but, there no, but they all got along good. There were no incidents out on the track that you had to calm everybody down with. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sure there was. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, there had to have been. With I mean, Brooks is pretty, pretty, uh, you know, um, aggressive. So, um, yeah. And at this point, hey, uh, at this point, I mean, you're running this race team, and you got these high profile riders. You're getting second in the Supercross series. How how's business? It must be booming. Yeah, business was going really good. Yeah, it was it was strong. Um, you know, like you had said at the start of the show, that everybody with a Yamaha would send it to us. Yeah, yep. And it it was it was really good. We were excited. We had you know a lot of full page ads. And, yeah. Uh, the top riders. It, it was a lot of fun. Were you going to all the races, or how were you keeping your head above water back at the shop? Yeah, I, I would go. I would just work seven days a week. Yeah, really, right? <laughs> yeah, have to go to the races and then you know work at the shop. Right. Um, at this point, you were having so much success. Uh, at some point, you switched to Cowies. I think in ninety. He's ninety five, ninety six. No, ninety ninety seven. Maybe when do you switch to Kawasaki's? Um, we had Kawasaki's. We didn't uh, really switch to Kawasaki. Oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah. So you added a Kawasaki support. 
Yeah. Okay. And how'd that come about? They just Kawasaki saw you did a good job, and they're like, "Hey, will you will you help us out?" Yeah, I think everybody wanted, uh, you know, a little bit of of what we were doing at the time. Right. Right. And uh, it it was uh, I wanted to um, shoot. We wanted to have the customers we had with the Yamahas with yeah. the Kawasaki's right. as well. Um, so we want, wanted to push that way. Um, you uh, you hired Kalos, Sean Kalos, at some point, yeah. and I worked for Kalos in '96 on that PJ1 team. Uh, yeah. I, I worked for him for a little bit. Uh, really nice guy, uh, very talented, but definitely a little different, huh? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he is actually he's very talented. Mm-hmm. He's uh, as talented as Lachine would be. Yeah. Um, but and a smooth rider, uh, a really good young man. Um, just didn't have the motivation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just wasn't self-driven. Right. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, that seems about right. Uh, definitely talented, though. Ooh, man, he could yeah. he could ride a bike. We were at uh, Gatorback, the Gatorback National in mm-hmm. Florida, and. Uh, uh, it was the first moto, the 250 National. I think it was the, I can't remember if it was the first National of the year or not. Mm-hmm. But, um, guy, he he got the whole shot uh, on the Yamaha 250. Yeah. He pulled away. He had a 23-second lead. Wow. And, and I thought, this is pretty cool, you know. <laughs> and then um, he's... He's just going, going, yeah. and then uh, about ten minutes left in the race, and he started slowing down. And it wasn't mechanical; it was him. Right, right. And and he ended up, uh, I think he ended up fifth. Yeah, twenty three seconds. It, yeah, he was gone. <laughs> no doubt. Um, he was gone. I just wish he would have been more self motivated. He would have. Yeah. He would have been great. Yeah, no doubt. And then, like, if you could have put Kalos' skills and Brooks's effort together. Yeah. Right? That would have been perfect. <laughs> but I guess that's the old motocross story, right? Um, yeah. Was there a rider that you tried to sign that didn't work out that you wish you would have? Or consequently, was there somebody you signed that didn't work that you wish you wouldn't have? I mean, I don't want you to talk crap on anybody, but, like, you know what I mean? Is there any signs or oh. signings that... Yeah, well, the, the one I'll say that uh, uh, that I signed and uh, uh, didn't work out was um, Mike Craig. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of... Uh, uh, it actually turned out really well that I got Larry Ward instead of him. It, it did, yeah. Yamaha ended up firing him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't, Craig, his whole problem was he didn't uh, do well with pressure. Yeah. Yeah, could ride a bike a hell of a, could could, could have yeah. some t- tons of skills. Um, yeah, at some point, too, people, um, a good friend of mine from Canada, Shane Drew, you gave him his first break. And, yeah. You know, he worked at Honda for, I don't know, 16, 17 years, and now he's over at 2-2. But uh, uh, another guy that you sort of started out. A lot of mechanics and different people come through your program over the years. Yeah, if you, uh, the majority of them are still at the races. Yeah. Um, we, uh, Jeremy Albright. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. O- over at uh, uh, JGR. Yeah. 
And uh, like you said, uh, Shane, Shane's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, Shane Drew, he was from Canada. Um, um, and um, it's funny, like you, you um, so well, actually, let's figure this out. So you, you eventually, you sell the business to K2, which is a suspension mountain bike company. What was K2? K2 is a, uh, they make uh, snowboards, snow skis, and they make okay. mountain bikes also. And what happened there? Were you just getting, they come to you? Did you, were you looking to sell? Was, was the, the workload um, too much? Like how did that, how did that happen? I wasn't, you know, I really wasn't looking to sell the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but K2 came to us. We, you know, at the time that all this racing was going on and everything, mm-hmm. um, was the time when mountain bikes, um, became full suspension. Right. So I, I had designed a shock, uh, for, um, a company called Mantis Bicycles. It was yeah. a, it's a custom bicycle, uh, that he would build for, you know, for the public. Okay. And, uh, I started out with him, and then uh, GT Bicycles uh, contacted me, uh-huh. and uh, so we started making shocks for them. Oh, you had there GT were, on, yeah, you had GT on the uh... giant bicycles, just all of them. And so uh, K2, are, uh, they wanted us to make them a couple of prototypes. Mm-hmm. So I did, like uh, eight months prior to when. Uh, they contacted me to to buy the company, mm-hmm. and they did all their testing and everything they wanted with it, and then they just wanted us uh, to be exclusive with them. With yeah, with so K2. that's why they wanted to buy us. So they just had our shocks on their mountain bikes, so nobody else could have them. Um, yeah, because at some point, okay, so this makes sense to me now because at some point, your Nolene Yamaha race team had GT bicycles as a sponsor, or you had a sticker on it or something, yeah. right? And so that's how that yeah, worked. Yeah, we were sponsored by GT Bicycles. Okay. Well. I always yeah. wondered how that worked, but it, you were doing shocks for them. Yeah. Um, when the mountain bikes – and let's get into this a little bit, if you don't mind. Do you have some time, or do you got to go? I know I told yeah. you an hour. Um, so when mountain bikes became started becoming full suspension, I imagine – and I don't remember, but at the time, were you looking at the suspension on mountain bikes and going, what are these guys doing? Because you're already yeah. you know, years ahead in the motocross world, right? That, yeah, exactly. Is that sort of what's happening? It was. They went through a, a big learning curve, mm-hmm. um, and what they, you know, their engineers that they have are bicycle, you know, bicycle engineers, right. not you know suspension engineers. Yep. And they designed, uh, try to design different linkages and where does the shock look best on the bike? Let's try to make it fit there, you know, right. instead right. of how it's going to perform the best. Uh, a lot of the guys had falling rate suspension where your motorcycle nowadays has a rising rate. Right. So it gets stiffer as it goes, it goes through. Up. Right. And it was, uh, it was, uh, uh, quite an experience working with all the engineers for the yeah. different bicycle companies that really didn't know what they were, were doing at the time. So pardon my ignorance. Were, were mountain bikes at this time coming with no lean shocks or were they putting their own name on it? They were no lean shock. Oh, okay. So you were designing these things and they were also a no lean thing. So Yeah. And <clears throat> that's how, you know, in the bicycle uh, world, the mountain bike world, our name was really big and strong. And that's why K2 yeah. uh, wanted wanted us. And at the time, was the motorcycle stuff 
not doing as well and, and you started looking at mountain bikes or was this just something you kind of almost fell into and and I imagine um, you were probably making more money. <laughs> yeah, basically I kind of fell into it. Right. And uh, it worked out well. The shock that I designed looked good and right. not did it just look good. It, it performed well. There's still and like a... One oh. thing, you know, with bicycles is uh, the main thing is weight. Yeah. And uh, ours was very light. Mm-hmm. And everybody else who had made a shock at that time, uh, the size was too big and they were real bulky looking. Mm-hmm. And they didn't perform that well. Um, so ours fit, ours fit right in to what the companies wanted. And I notice even now today in 2014, there's still some debate on where the, where you should place a shock on a mountain bike. They, most people have it, you know, underneath the main frame bar, kind of by the seat. But there's still some that put it straight up and down over the bottom of the wheel. And there's still some yeah. that, that fiddle around with it, right? Well, if you if, uh, what the problem is now is uh, the companies, all these bicycle companies, they're, they're like patent crazy. Yeah. So um, all these companies where you locate your shock uh, and how your linkage is, they get a patent on it. Oh, okay. And so that's why they're still, you know, moving around trying to, trying to figure it out. So you're making shocks for Mantis and you're making shocks for GT and K2 yeah. obviously likes your design. So they come to you and say, that's it. We're, making you, we're writing you with the biggest check in the world, Clark, and you're going to just make our shocks. Is that how it kind of goes down? I, I wish they would have said that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, were you still, when they bought Nolene, when you guys when they, when you accepted their offer, did you still work for them? Or were you just saying, I'm out, here's my technology? No, I, I worked with them. Oh, okay. Um, I had to sign a contract for five years. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, to work for them. And we, uh, I sold it to them, uh, I believe it was the middle of, 96 mm-hmm. and uh, we sponsored we still sponsored riders yeah that was part of my deal and we had uh, um, we had Kyle Lewis yeah uh, Shane Drew was um, his mechanic and Kyle was still killing it still yeah, riding well and then uh, um, he went I think he went to Japan right after that he did yeah um, and he was uh, uh, Japanese national champion one year I think it was our two years. The other year, I think, uh, I don't know if it was the first or second year he was champion, but Matastovich was the one who beat him. Yeah. And he was over there. Um, uh, then we we sponsored uh, um, uh, Amaradio and uh, Jeff Willow. Right. Uh, the, next, the next year. And then the year after that, we sponsored uh, was, uh, Tim fit. Ferry. Right. And that's where I come in, Clark, which you probably don't even know, yeah. but... In 99, I worked for Ferry at Nolene, but it was Steve yeah. Russell. Steve Russell was, was right. there. I, I, I licensed it. I licensed the name to Steve Russell. Oh, okay. Um, so when was the last time that you had anything to do with the motocross team? The... Um, at Nolene? Yeah. Was uh, 98. Oh, okay. So we just missed each other. I could have worked for you, Clark. Yeah, 98 because we had Timmy... And uh, Dave Dye was Dave a mechanic at the time. Yeah. Da- and, uh, and Dave quit to go to Yosh, and he recommended me to Steve to work for Timmy. So Yeah. Uh, um, so uh, K2 was fine with you doing the motorcycle stuff still, or was it – I mean, um, how'd that go? They, 
well, they wanted me to de- design shocks, take yeah. care of the right. shocks, you right. know. And uh, it turned out to where I had to design frames. I made their um, downhill frames for their uh, world downhill race team. And uh, I had to look, you know, it's a big corporation, so of course I had to look at other stuff, like uh, just stuff that I didn't need to look at, like snowboards. Yeah, yeah. Or, and I made I made them some, uh, you know, they were really big into skates, too. Um, oh, okay. Um, you know, rollerblades. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I made them a suspension, some suspension skates. Oh, jeez. And the whole so, time you're probably like, I really like supercross and motocross. I don't care about rollerblades, but whatever, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, then, then, uh, then, uh, you know, 9-11 came. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was, uh, contracted outside labor is what I was, you yeah. know, under. Right. And I was still down here. I was down here. I was in, uh, Hesperia, California, where their company is up in Seattle. They'd fly me up there a couple times a month. Yeah. Uh, to go through these meetings, these meetings, and um, when that hit, uh, the president of K2, you know, kind of freaked out, you know, which we are all freaked out yeah. on 9-11, but um, he called me and said, uh, I'm, uh, I want to, or, or we are cutting, cutting our outside contract labor. He goes, you can uh, have everything you have down there. And I had a, uh, you know, an R&D shop yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he said, you can uh, run with the Nolene name, whatever you'd like to do. Oh, really? And I said, uh, okay, thank you. So January uh, 02, uh, we started back up again. Huh, wow. So, I mean, they, they the check they wrote you must have not been that big for you to just go off into the sunset, right? From, from, right. although you wish it would have yeah, been. It wasn't that big. It was, it wasn't as big as I would have liked it to have been. Were you doing, <laughs> yeah, really, right? Well, let's speak, yeah, we, I think we're all can say that, right? My check from <laughs> Racer X isn't as big as I would like it to be. Right. <laughs> um, right. Uh, did you do forks too, or just, was just shocks your, your main deal? Uh, forks and shocks. Okay. Yeah. yeah for, for mountain bikes. Yeah. Yeah. So nowadays it's kind of like rock, rock shocks because that's it, right? We kind of have two suspension yeah, that's companies. Yeah, that's all there is. Um, we still, uh, we still serve, we service everybody. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's pretty neat, and you know the shocks from way back then when we were doing them, we still get those shocks in to be serviced. <laughs> really? So huh? It's kind Jeez. of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I should send you my air share shock because you fat for it, and I got so much air pressure in it, it's gonna explode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. um uh, an inter- interesting story. I didn't know half of that. I knew, I knew that K2 had bought you out, but I never was really sure why, to be honest. I was like, I was like, why did this bicycle company want Nolene? But now I know. I didn't really understand yeah. it before, you know? Um, so you were really then, designing some bitching stuff. Then we, we kind of moved on and, um, in, uh, what was it? 2003, I think it was in three. I went to, um, the last Supercross race, I think it was in Vegas yeah. of, of the year, and I, I was there, and you know, just we were going through the pits, my wife and I, and um, Kyle Lewis was there, mm-hmm. and he was riding for Moto Triple X. Yeah, and uh, I was talking to him, and he goes, uh, "I would really like you to do my suspension, 
for the Nationals. And I go, well, they start pretty quick. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> so I said, sure, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll help you. And, uh, so I helped him for another four years, I think. Yeah. And, and that was uh, and owned, owned by another Canadian buddy of mine, Alan Brown. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah Alan's a good guy. Yeah, kind of funny how that all comes around. And there you are helping Lewis again. You're like, oh, my God, I was helping this guy in 91. Now I'm still helping yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, and then what's funny is they hired Larry Ward, too. So They did, that's right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, all we need is Brooks. Let's get Brooks, the band, back together. Um, yeah. What's your take on uh, air suspension right now? Certainly it's coming to production on two or three bikes. Some guys are taking it off and running the springs uh there there hasn't been the rash of what i thought you know most local guys and my buddies they they don't even check their sag never mind three air chambers you know um right and i always thought we'd see some failures but we really haven't um so that part is good but uh it's a different it's i mean again it was around in the 70s so it's nothing that new but air suspension is sort of controversial right now what's your take on that well, it's just like you said. Uh, your buddies don't even check their sag. Yeah. Uh, and and those the majority of the people who ride, um, you know, the amateurs and just everybody, they don't even check their tire pressure. Yeah. And w- having to check their suspension, you know, the air in their forks, mm-hmm. um, you know, we tell them you need to check it every race day and you should check it in between motos just to make sure it's correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's the the main drawback with it. Mm-hmm. If works a lighter, that's like great. Yeah, yeah. Um, it makes the bike feel a lot nimbler with a uh, with a light front end. Um, uh, the cost is down for the manufacturer because they don't have to pay for the springs anymore. Right. Um, so it's it's a good idea, but I don't think they're there yet right. where they need to be. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it'll be if if they continue with it. I think it'll be a uh, probably three more years down the line before they have it perfected to where to where it'll be really good. Mm-hmm. I just worry about like you said, our the buddies that don't check sag, don't check air pressure, and now they're out there with this fork that doesn't ride good, and now they're miserable because it you know it's bottoming, it's hurting their hands. Now they hate riding or whatever. You know, I guess I, I guess yeah. I'm extrapolating it pretty far down the line yeah. but i do worry about that a little bit well we're we're here in the in the desert basically is where, where our shop is mm-hmm. and we've got a lot of desert racers and we've had a few of them uh that they've come in and uh they got a flat in their fork when they were riding and uh they had to just head back to the pit during the race yeah and uh they they get uh, thoroughly disgusted, you know, but, right. um, a lot of the customers will call, you know, they call just to get my opinion. What do you think about the air forks? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm just going to get a KTM. Um, I, wow. I tell them, well, you know, uh, the air forks, uh, you just have to stay on top of them on yeah. top of them. If you do, they're fine. If, if you don't, then you've got, you know, you'll have troubles. Right. Yeah, it seems uh, seems weird for sure. It seems like we're heading that way, but like you said, the, you know what maybe doesn't what really works for uh, um, Trey Kennard and these kind of guys maybe doesn't work for the adding the, the normal guys, you know. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something to uh, to think about down the line. Um, 
All right, Clark. Well, hey, I think we covered it, man. Interesting career, interesting uh, times, no doubt about it. Nolene Yamaha, one of the uh, uh, motocross forces throughout the 90s and, and, and putting in some great results. And NoleneJ6.com if you need uh, suspension work now for your mountain bike or for your dirt bike, right? You do yeah. mountain bikes yeah. and, and all that. So um, it sounds like it's the uh, sounds like you're doing well and all that. So um, thanks for doing the uh, Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. And, of course, it's uh, brought to you by BTOsports.com. I really appreciate it, Clark. Thanks a lot. Thank you. I, I enjoyed doing it. Yeah, thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the